welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise God. Um, well, praise God to be here again tonight. I, I would like to um, speak from Ephesians chapter 2, please, if you wouldn't mind turning to this chapter. I want to speak on the topic of remember who you were, know who you are. That's my title tonight. <clears throat> so Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll read through this. Uh, I think this chapter is, honestly, it is like a it strikes me as like a symphony of revelation. It's, it's literally got, it's, there's something in it about everything. There's, it contains revelation about God, about Jesus, about mankind, about the world, how the world operates. It talks about the devil, how he operates. It talks about redemption, grace, faith. It talks about the Jews, the Gentiles, the relationship between these. It talks about the church. It talks about the ages to come. It's such an an amazing, compact outpouring of just understanding of our entire salvation in one short chapter. So just bear that in mind as we read it and Let's try and let the words just even sink into us and bless us as we read it. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him, and seated us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is in the, made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, 
so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we just ask you now as we open your word, that Holy Spirit, you will breathe on it, that you will give it life, that it will not just be a dead letter, but that you'd cause life to come out of it, and that that life would enter us and bear fruit and bring understanding, Lord, and bring just transformation. We ask you this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in this chapter, Paul he asks these Ephesian believers, he recommends that they remember. They remember. He reminds them of their past. He says, you were this. This is the way you were. Dead. Following the devil. Following the prince of the power of the air. And he says in verse 11, remember that at one time you were this. You were Gentiles. You were separate from the covenants. So he, he asks them several times to remember. Now why? Why is it important that we remember? In, in one sense, the Lord tells us to forget the things that are behind. Move on from them. He wants to break the chains of our past, not have us overshadowed by it. But here, he gives a recommendation and an encouragement to remember. And this resonates uh, for me with something that crops up again and again in the book of Deuteronomy. I'll just read out the references to, to, to underline that. Deuteronomy 5.15, Deuteronomy 15.15, Deuteronomy 16.12, Deuteronomy 24.18, Deuteronomy 24.22. The Lord says to his people again and again, remember that you were slaves. Remember it. And he always says, remember that you are slaves and therefore I'm giving you this commandment or I'm telling you to do this thing or I'm speaking to you today on this topic. But the backdrop, the context of what he's saying is remember what you were. And here the backdrop, the kind of canvas that Paul is painting a contrast on is what they were. Remember it. Why? Why would God want us to remember? Is it, is it like some kind of subtle manipulation from God? Don't get above yourself. Just remember who you were. Remember where you came from. Is he like rubbing our nose in it? No, of course not. Why then? Why, why, why? Why should we remember? Why is it important to stop and remember? And I want to reference some, uh, a wonderful word from Pastor Patrick a couple of weeks back where he was encouraging us from the scripture to forget, 
to don't talk, stop, keep looking back to the good old days, to when times were better. Stop talking about them, what God did in the past. Move forward. Now, why? Why is that? Why was that word coming? Because when we are looking back to the good old days or to things of the past in that sense, it undermines today. We lose sight of what God is doing today. The devil loves dead things. He wants us to be dwelling amongst dead things. The demons drew that man with the legion. They had him living in a graveyard where dead things are. Satan and the demons of, of hell, they, they live on death. And even as Christians, he wants us to be in graveyards where dead things are. He wants us to be looking back at things that were. Whereas Jesus wants us, the Lord wants us living and walking today. Now, I'm not contradicting myself. I'll come back to my original question. Why then do we remember what we were? We remember what we were because the Lord wants to establish, to confirm and strengthen us in the today of how we think, operate and act. He wants to establish us in today. And he wants to clarify to us, and this is what this chapter is about, who we are. And why we need in this case to remember, in the other case to forget, that Pastor Patrick is referring to, in this case to remember the bad old days, if you like. Two reasons I want to explore tonight why we need to remember. Because there's always a purpose with God. If God says, forget something, there's a purpose. If he says, remember something, there's a purpose. The reason that we remember what we were at one time, or in the case you might say, well, I grew up in a Christian home, I was never this or never that. You can remember what you could be. You would have been without God's grace. Why we need to remember is so that we don't misremember the past, and misinterpret the present. And we'll dig into what that means. That's the first point. The second point, we remember so that we truly understand who we are in our standing and in our purpose. So these are the two points I want to underline in this topic. Why we must remember. The bad old days, if you like. What we were what we would have been, what we would be today without his grace. Because we have this first point, we misremember the past. As 
Pastor Patrick was saying, the good old days weren't that good. We also misremember the bad days. We misremember them and we misinterpret the present. The classic statement for me on this is when the children of Israel in the wilderness were complaining, complaining, complaining to Moses and they say to him in Numbers 11:5, oh, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. We remember the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. And there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. This is our nature. To misremember the past, they misremembered entirely Egypt. They were looking back at this this almost Mediterranean existence of <laughs> cafes and restaurants with garlic and leeks and they can really smell it. Beautiful food for free. For free. <laughs> In a slave land. And they're looking at this stuff on the ground and it's just bland. And they're tired and they're dried up. They are misremembering the past and they are misinterpreting the present. You feel dried up inside. You feel this Christian life is tough. It's just obstacle after obstacle. And there's nothing but church, meetings, preaching. It seems the same old thing week in, week out. You say to yourself, this doesn't really feel like a life of victory and triumph that I was expecting. And maybe you're looking back and you're getting a whiff of the leeks and the onions of this world. You're saying, that, was, that wasn't so bad. That was more interesting. Or you're looking out, maybe you've never tasted it or you're just getting the smell over the wall of your life. And you're saying, hmm, that's, that seems good. And here I am in this. God says to you tonight, as he said to those Israelites, remember that you were a slave. That's what he's saying here in Ephesians. Remember that you were a slave. Remember the lack of peace. We, we take everything for granted. We're never satisfied. I can say it myself, even in small things. I used to live in a tiny house. Oh, the house is so small, I can't move. We've got no room for anything. I now live in a big, bigger house. Oh, the house is too big. It's too much work to clean it and maintain it. It's always, we're just, just our nature. Remember, you were a slave. You had no peace. You were directionless. You were aimless in your life. Remember the confusion. Remember the constant fear. Remember the blocking out of reality. Remember the hopelessness. This is what he's saying to them. You were like tossed around on the sea. You were driven here and there by the, all that controlled you was your mind and your body and your, 
your desires and your passions. This is what controlled you. The devil was there like a, like a puppet master, the prince of the power of the air, feeding you, taking your peace from you. You were separate from God. You had no hope. And now you're looking back. Remember the awfulness of that existence with no peace. Oh, it wasn't as good as you think. And if you haven't tasted much of it, it's not as good as you think, it's, as you think it is. Oh, we can think, oh, I'm in a miserable situation here as a Christian. I'm not knowing this. I'm not knowing that. Interpret your present correctly. Interpret your present. Like the children of Israel there, my soul is dried up. I'm wandering in this wilderness. I've just got this boring food to eat. Interpret your present correctly. God says, he says to you here from Ephesians 2, what's your present? You're alive. You were dead. You were dead. That's what you were. You're alive. You're loved. You were hated by your master, the devil. He hated you. You're cleansed. You were filthy. Weighed down with sin and uncleanness that you could never get rid of. You're brought near. He says, now you were far off. You were so far off. You'd no clue about anything to do with God. You're near. You're brought into a covenant relationship. You were without Christ. You were without hope. Now you're brought near. That manna that you find a bit dull, that's God's supernatural provision for a child of his. It's got everything you need. That journey through the wilderness with all of its challenges, with all of its difficulties and troubles that you're facing, interpret it correctly. It's his workmanship. As he says here, you are now his workmanship. You were a toy before, a pawn. And that's what they're all, that's what the, the best of men outside of Christ are. The richest, most powerful, most influential men, they're just toys of the devil, of a horrible, horrible, evil spirit. You are his workmanship. And everything that you're being brought through, with all of its dryness and its challenges, interpreted correctly. It's his workmanship to create in you and bring about in you those good works that he has ordained for you. Oh, brothers and sisters, we must remember. We must just let ourselves, if we start to feel these erroneous thoughts, our desires, or things, wishing maybe, let's interpret our present correctly. Let's remember the awfulness of being apart from Christ. You would not want it for a second if you went back to it. It's terrible. Second part then, why we need to remember. 
is because the Lord wants to make us understand who we are. And who we are is seen, as I say, it's, it's seen in contrast to what we were. But now, who are we? Who are we now? And we need to understand this. I believe there's a, there's a certain limitation in our Christian lives in terms of moving forward with God if we don't truly understand and have, have, a, have our eyes open to who we are. Now you might say, well, we really need to know it's who God is, who Jesus is. Yes, of course. But there's an activation of faith that comes about when we understand by the Holy Spirit who we are. Because God, who is love, tells us here, God who is rich in love, in his great mercy for which he loves us. That's our God. That's who he is. God in love took pity, and in that love he sent Jesus. Speaks about here, Jesus came to do something through Jesus to transform who we are. And that's what this is all about. It's who we are. That's the outcome. And for us, we could be there thinking, oh, God is wonderful, Jesus is amazing, all that he's done, but I'm still here, I'm just a wretch, I'm just, I'm just nothing and useless. And to a degree, that is true. But unless we apprehend and step into by faith what God has said he has made us to be and what he has revealed we are because of grace, we won't activate that faith in ourselves to move forward and fulfill all that he wants us to fulfill. So understanding who we are and believing it and stepping forth in it is such an important reality. Understanding who we are. First of all, it's our standing. Our standing. What's our standing? And I want to underline one aspect of this. I'm sure there's many, many things that we could say. But he speaks about this in verse 19. He says, So then, you are no longer, now he looks back, remember, you're no longer strangers and aliens, far off, just drifting around the place with no relationship to anything, but now you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is our standing. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're full citizens. We're not second-class citizens. We're not somehow inferior citizens. We are full citizens. We stand shoulder to shoulder. Everyone in this room who's a believer in Christ stands shoulder to shoulder with the Apostle Paul, with Peter, with the Twelve, with anyone we read about in this book, as full citizens of the kingdom of God. As citizens, we, we should expect the benefits and rights of citizens. We were strangers with no benefits, no rights, but now citizens. And I want to just to, to look at what this means. And I wa- I'm just using a little technique here to do that. I, I had a look myself. Well, what does being a citizen mean? And I'm going to speak about, for me, as an Irish citizen, 
Everyone here is a citizen of somewhere. Here in this country, I'm an Irish citizen. I know that some of you are not Irish citizens, and that makes a difference. There are things that I can do that you can't do, and that's very real. It makes a real difference if you're a citizen of the country you're in or not. So I want to talk through a few different aspects of being a citizen and map them, if you like, to the spiritual realm of our citizenship. So just five, quickly, five different rights as an Irish citizen or benefits that I have. Well, firstly, I can carry an Irish passport. That's my identity as a citizen. I have an identity. I can live, work, study and travel in Ireland, the UK, EU and the European AA, whatever that is, some other expanded area of Europe. So I can, I have freedom. This is my freedom. I can live and work anywhere from Belfast to Bulgaria. That's a very powerful freedom I have, and I know others here do not have that, and it's a very real live issue for them. Freedom. I have a right as a citizen to access free education, well, free. I don't have to pay tens of thousands for my kids in college like some people here do. I'm going to map that to wisdom. I have access to wisdom, free access to the wisdom that I need for my kids in terms of education. I can enjoy diplomatic support outside of Ireland. In other words, if I'm in trouble anywhere in the world, I can contact the Irish Embassy and appeal for help. That's the benefit of assistance. Assistance. And finally, I can vote in Irish and European elections. And indeed, if I wanted to, or if I was inclined that way, I could be elected to government. I could be the Prime Minister. God forbid, but I could. <laughs> because I'm a citizen. That's the right or the benefit of access to power, to the structures of power that a non-citizen does not have. So I want to just run through these in terms of these benefits or rights and how does this, just to do a little technique on it like that, how does this map to who we are and can we just explore a little bit who we are as citizens? of the heavenly kingdom. What rights, what access do we have? And of course, these benefits, these rights, even in the human realm, you access them at the right time. You don't go around, oh, I must access all my rights as a citizen. You access them when you need them. Some I will never use. Some I will only use in certain situations. But I need to know who I am. As an Irish citizen, I need to know that I can have access to these things. And as a believer, we need to know who we are and what our king has made available to us. And by faith, accept it and act upon it. Firstly, we spoke first about passport, identity. Oh, we have such an identity we have, don't we, brothers and sisters? And what a time to be secure in your identity. Oh, it's such a confusion at the moment, isn't it? 
just this very day, we, my daughter received a text message from a, a long-term friend of hers from school announcing her new identity. Oh, this poor kid. 20 years ago, she wouldn't have even known that this new identity existed. What confusion. Poor people being driven around like driftwood on the sea, confused about who they are. But for us, oh, our first step is to grab hold of our identity as citizens of the kingdom. Peter expresses it wonderfully. He says, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for his own possession. Once, and again, this is the remembering, he says, you are not a people, but now you are God's people. How wonderful. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, this is our identity. Chosen, loved, royal, holy, his own people. Oh, what an identity is ours. What a passport is ours as members of this kingdom. Who we belong to. And again, as I said before, remember that who you belonged to before hated you. The devil hates those that he controls. He just wants to defile them, to destroy them. We see what he's trying to do now with all our young people. We have an, a, an amazing identity as God's people. Secondly, then, freedom. My right to travel and do live as I want, freedom. We had no freedom. We were slaves driven by, it says, driven by passions and lusts. The prince of the power of the air, controlling the media, controlling our minds, injecting things into us. But oh, the freedom of the saints. Freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from having to sin. A slave doesn't have any choice in the matter. It's compulsion. Freedom from bondage. Freedom from scruples and religious obsession, the things that Paul and the apostles fought so hard to preserve back in those days when there was an attempt to suck the whole thing back into laws and regulations. And he said, I wouldn't give, give in for a moment to preserve your freedom. Hallelujah. Freedom. Freedom to choose the right things. Freedom in how we live our lives. It's wonderful. God is not prescriptive about our lives. He doesn't demand that we do A, B, and C, and D. He doesn't say, you have to marry this person. You must work in this job. You're my slaves and you will do what I determine. No. He gives us the most amazing freedom to choose and to decide. He'll guide us if we want his direction, but he gives us freedom. He, he operates and he wants us and allows us to operate in a relationship with him of love and of mutual consultation and prayer. But he gives us such freedom. Peter says that again, live as people who are free. You've got to live as free. You are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. 
Galatians also says that for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Hallelujah, freedom. Third right then, wisdom. I related this to the free education. Wisdom. Remember, remember, he says, remember that you were foolish and deceived. Titus spells this out to us. He says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envying, being hated and hating one another. Foolish and deceived. We had no clue about anything. We didn't know what we were doing. People don't know what they're doing. But now we have free access to the wisdom of the king. To the wisdom of the king. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God and he will give it to you. Just in my own experience, I remember this scripture being really carried into my heart at one point. I was really, we were really struggling with housing issues at the time and just practical things of life. And everything was, seemed to be going wrong and we, didn't, we just didn't know what to do. And I remember we were on holidays at the time and just one night, just this word of God came into my heart, forced into my heart. Ask, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. And you know what? He gave wisdom. He gave an answer. This is real, folks. It's real. There is wisdom available freely. Freely for his citizens. For the members of the household of God. If you're in a situation that you can't solve, ask God. Know who you are. Believe that he will give it to you, he will give it. Ask him. Assistance. This is about our right to diplomatic assistance. And I just have a small little um, anecdote about this, actually, from some former colleagues of mine. They were traveling in Thailand or someplace like that. They were backpacking. And they came through the airport and went to, from the airport to their hostel. And they noticed around outside the hostel that there was some sketchy-looking characters seemed to, seemed to be shadowing them or tailing them. And, and they, got, they, were, they were feeling a little bit nervous about it. So they went into the, into the hostel anyway, took down their bags, only to find packages of white powder in their backpacks. Clearly had been put in somewhere in the airport um, and they were, they did not know what to do. They were terrified, you know, what, what do we do with this? Do we, do we pretend we don't have it? Anyway, what they decided to do is they flushed it all down the toilet and they, pho <laughs> they phoned the Irish embassy. The Irish ambassador said to them, got onto them, he said, stay exactly where you are, don't move. He sent a car got them out of the hostel, brought them to the embassy, put them up overnight, 
and got them on a plane out of the country the following morning. Because he knew, he knew. Either, if they're either caught with this, they're potentially long prison sentence with death penalty or something like that. Or if the drug guys don't get their drugs, either way, it's not good. They save their lives. But that was that right to assistance in a very real way. And you know, remember, and if you look out there to that attractive lifestyle out there, they have no helper. You're a citizen. Of course they can call on God, that's not strictly true. The Lord will hear, hear, hear the cry that come to him. But as a citizen, you have access to assistance in every situation. Why be so dependent on men? Why not seek the Lord? The one who has given you this access. Scripture tells us, come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. There is help to be found in our trouble. We can appeal when we're absolutely without recourse. Again, just to, to illustrate this, a small little testimony from my own life, way back when I was a child, I think I was maybe 10 or 11, we were in a, at a tent convention in Southampton in the UK. And the tent convention was right on the edge of this area called the New Forest. And one day, myself and a guy was, that had come over with us this guy was a few years older than me, and he was, um, he was a bit stone mad. He was, he was kind of crazy. And we went off into the forest, and he wanted to go see deer. He was looking for deer. So we were wandering and wandering in the forest. And we were, we were wandering for, I'd say, an hour or two. And we were completely lost. Completely lost. Now, we'd no phones, no anything. Back, this is back in the 80s. There's nothing. No maps, nothing. And I look now at the map of the new forest. It is enormous. We were utterly lost. Our parents were probably panicking at this point. And I just remember I cried out to God for help. I said, Lord Jesus, just as a boy, help me. I called up the ambassador. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I'm only a kid. And shortly after that, we heard singing. And we followed the sound of the singing. We followed it and followed it and followed it and followed it. And it led us back to the tent. Now, I didn't think, I didn't take too much notice at the time, but when I thought back on that afterwards, the sound of the singing, we heard it way, way back much earlier than we should have from what would naturally be the distance from the tent. I believe God carried the sound of the singing to those two lost boys in the forest. Why? Because it cried for help. Cried for help. You can cry for help to God. We have access. This is who we are. It's simple, but it's true. Yet we panic so easily. We get in a flap. 
we go here, we go there. I was a kid, I didn't, I, I, no, I couldn't do anything. I, could, I had no, no resource. The guy who was with me was no help. <laughs> but God was there. Be like children. Access your help. Finally, power. Power. Again, remember, you had no power. You had no strength. You were dead, you were dead, you were dead. You had no ability. But when he saves us, and particularly when he comes and fills us and baptizes with the Holy Spirit, he gives us power. He says, you shall know power to be my witnesses. Pastor Nick was speaking about this a couple of weeks back. To receive power. And again, this, I believe, is something we need to take on board, perhaps more than we do, that we have in the Holy Spirit, as I say, particularly when coupled with that infilling and baptism of the Spirit, there is a power to confront darkness. Do we know who we are? Do we know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Do you know it? Do you believe it? Greater is he that is in you than the most wicked, powerful demon in hell. That doesn't mean we we treat them lightly, but God has given us power. To bind strongholds. We were singing tonight, speak the name of Jesus to bind every stronghold. That can be directly in situations that confront us as the Holy Spirit leads us. It can be through prayer. But brothers and sisters, we need to take hold of who we are. Again, I just want to give a small illustration. I am not very experienced in this area by many, any means, but there is one thing that came to mind. I don't think I've, ever, I've actually spoken about it before or mentioned it, but it's very real to me. And perhaps it's an, it would encourage someone else. I remember a good number of years ago, a friend of mine, he was my roommate, Christian. He developed a terrible, terrible epileptic condition. It wasn't just regular epilepsy. There was something awful about it, the effect. It would happen at night. And it was devastating, the effect it had on him. And I would be there just trying to help him. And he was out of it. There was something dark about it. There was some atmosphere that came with it. And the impact it had on him was awful. It was the most upsetting thing to see and to witness medication didn't help him it just made him worse and this was a regular regular occurrence and I just remember this was going on for a year to remember one night up again beside him trying to help him out with trying to manage him and something rose up inside of me apart from myself it was just like the Holy Spirit brought something in me where I would normally be fearful in this place or just anxious or upset 
It was like something rose up and compelled me just to take authority over this thing, whatever it was. But that was binding man, wrecking his life. And I knew that night that something, something had shifted in the spiritual realm. I just knew it in myself. I didn't know what. It, he, he, he wasn't healed at that point. But not long after, another brother prayed with him another time. And he was completely delivered from this condition. Completely. Since then, not back driving again, no medication needed. The Lord removed that thing entirely. Miraculously. And I remember knowing that night that there was an authority in the name of Jesus that I hadn't, and I, I must confess, I haven't really laid hold on that in how I should. Do we know who we are? Do we believe our citizenship? And I would encourage you tonight, I'd encourage my own heart not to undermine what God has made us to be. Not to listen to the voice of the devil in our own flesh, as I say, that smells the delicacies of Egypt, that envies those out there, as if they have anything worth having. That rather should not just be filled with love and pity for such a life of hopelessness apart from Christ. Oh, brothers and sisters, do we know who we are? Can we, can we give it a new vision of it tonight from, from the word of God, of our citizenship, of our standing, of the benefits that flow to us from what Jesus has done on Calvary? And you know, we don't just have a standing, and I'm finishing here. That standing, these benefits are not just so we can live our best life. These are for a mighty purpose. A mighty purpose. He calls it out here. He says, you've, you've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand for you to walk in them. Do you know that God has works ready for you to step into? ready. They're already prepared for you, for everyone. They're different from my works, from Pastor Hamp's works, from James's works. God has works prepared for you to step into. He says, you are part of a structure. You're joined together as living stones. You're being built together into the most amazing purpose to be a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Oh, how can this be? A dwelling place of God in us, built together in the church. Oh, this is our purpose. 
Our purpose is not on our own. Our purpose is not some, some solo individual. Our purpose is together, joined, 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 fitted together. Fitted together, molded together with all our irritations and our annoyances with each other and our personalities that clash and our different styles and this and that and all the things we get bogged down in. God says, I'm joining you together. In, the, in, the, in my body, in my building, to fill you with my glory. In a, in, a, in a way that's unique to the church. Oh, it's just, I, I was just so excited preparing this word. I, it's hard to communicate sometimes the wonder of our salvation. But remember, as I say, remember, the backdrop, painted out in contrast for ourselves. You had no purpose. You had no destiny except destruction and wrath. Now, don't shortchange yourself in unbelief. Activate faith in knowing who you are. Believe it. Move forward in it. Access all the benefits of your citizenship. Embrace your purpose. And know who you are. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.